Good morning, everyone. Um, this forum, as mentioned this morning, was uh, really a follow-up from last year's forum on discernment. Learn to discern the media, the literature, the entertainment world, and so forth. And uh, far, uh, it's not far behind, perhaps much ahead in importance, is spiritual discernment, trying the spirits, which aren't so easy to discern, um, especially when you talk about like things. And so we're going to talk about learning to discern in trying the spirits that are out there that are, are threatening to, to undermine the integrity and the health of the church. This past year, Brother Edmund and I have had um, personal experiences in dealing with false doctrines, in dealing with people that would uh, seek uh, greater experiences out there in, in, in nominal Christianity, and uh, also uh, reading a personal testimony of someone that belonged to that belongs to one of our churches. I want to mention where maybe you were aware of it yourself. He published his own testimony on the internet, uh, stating how he tried to go out there into uh, church hopping, seeking for a higher ground, seeking for, for a richer uh, relationship with Christ. And he came out very confused, deceived, uh, disillusioned, discouraged. Uh, as he revealed the lies, the, uh, the, 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 the deception, the wealth mongering, um, the, 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 the misrepresentation of the true teachings of Jesus Christ. And he was so transparent about it that he wasn't afraid to publish it on the internet. And that's why we're here today, because it's a real problem. Don't un underestimate the problem that we are facing in our world today, in our, in our churches today. And for the sake of time, I'm going to hand it over to Brother Edmund, who will now continue on with the health of the church. As Brother Doug said, uh, this was painful. We lost people that we loved and cared about. And it uh, caused us to do some introspection and kind of see where is this all coming from? What are the trends here? Where, where are we at as a church? And uh, some of the trends we came across um, the commitment we have to each other seems to be overwhelmed or be, there's this trend of convenience that's threatening to wipe out commitment. And we see that uh, that that's begins within the very culture, societal, uh, secular culture, through nominal Christianity and influences us. So, uh, for example, let me uh, introduce this by anecdote. There were, when Mercedes wanted to build... Uh, uh, the SUV, they sent a group of Germans to Alabama. And uh, they found after a while there was a, a culture clash there, that uh, the Germans were, were very upset by the amount of, of, of waste they saw. They, they valued craftsmanship, maintaining things you know, for a long period of time, whereas the Americans seemed to always want something new and, and uh, they, they liked things to be convenient and they disposed of things at the, the first inconvenience. And uh, while only environmentalists might uh, cry out at disposable diapers, uh, it doesn't stop with disposable diapers. It, it, it goes on not just with razor blades, but it goes into beyond things into relationships. 
and, and uh, we see marriages becoming disposable, and, and we have some horrific statistics. So one in four uh, uh, experience uh, divorce, and um, friendships, even you know the sanctity of life, where babies are, are perceived as disposable, subject to our own convenience. Horrific. And the point of this forum is that it goes into uh, church membership. Um, we, Barna Research Group has done some research on, on the state of commitment within churches. And uh, although maybe a century ago people went to the same church their parents and grandparents went to, um, things have changed now. Um, yeah, next slide. Uh, now it's one out of seven Americans change their church every year. Every year. And one out of six don't even just attend one church. They attend multiple churches in a rotating fashion. Now, how are we going to have a biblical commitment to each other and accountability with that rate of changeover? <clears throat> um, and we, that obviously doesn't... We need to be careful ourselves um, that, uh, about the church hopping. Another trend that I want to talk about that's threatening our church is individualism over interdependence. Um, whereas the biblical model is that we support each other the secular model is every man for himself. I don't need anybody. Popular culture idolizes the rugged individual. And it's infiltrated Christianity where the kind of the fundamentalist uh, uh, philosophy is as long as you believe the right things, you're saved, that's all that matters. And the sense of a community, uh, of a church above that is, is, is not given priority, is not given any airtime. In our denomination, we can be thankful that we have from our Anabaptist roots, a strong idea of culture, a, a community, a strong idea of, of interdependence. And, you know, we only don't have to go back that far, maybe only a generation to see, you know, that, that wonderful oneness and fellowship we can have as we went across the nation. However, if we're honest, we see that being eroded, uh, visibly eroded, that we no longer have that same uh, uh, unity that we have, the same interdependence, and we have to question ourselves why. Next. Um, another trend that's that's affecting our church is is carnality overcoming you know the biblical holiness and moral separa separation from immorality. I don't need to speak about society; it's it's so disgusting and what the sexual revolution has produced. But you know it's firmly entrenched in Christianity already. You know from gay ministers to divorce and some shocking statistics, we're, which we'll show next. But it's also coming into our own denomination and, and the separation that we used to have in, in, in terms of entertainment, dress, boy-girl relationships. Everything is kind of being eroded and we need to, to, to question ourselves. But, for example, this is, this, is, this is shocking that one out of six people, that women that have an abortion, are actually evangelical Christians. You know, the ones we think are kind of close. Not, not Catholics, not mainline Christians, but evangelical Christians. And that, you know, that would mean that if there's 1.5 million American women having an abortion a year, 250,000 Christian women are killing their babies out of convenience a year. Uh, the divorce rate among born-again Christians is higher than that of the world in general. The higher the, of, of, of the average. Statistically significant is 27% versus 24%. That's the state of, uh, that, that of where we've lost the moral separation within Christianity. And you know, we need to look at how it's infiltrating us. Next. 
another big trend, and this is, this is kind of probably the primary one that, that we'd like to talk about in this forum, is, is, is truth, how truth is being eroded. And, and, you know, you can almost see Satan's strategy of using this, this tolerance to undermine God-given distinctions, you know, whether it be in gender or, or all these God-given distinctions. He's always given a model of separation from error and, and toleration is going to bring us to probably the Antichrist church where everything is accepted. <clears throat> and we certainly can see that in, in our own, in, in, you know, this is what, what's brought us to this point and we see the false doctrine, winds of doctrine affecting us. And again, you know, some statistics to back that up. Within, nominal, within Christianity, um, less than half believe that Jesus was sinless. Uh, the majority believe Satan wasn't, isn't a real person. Uh, and uh, that, you know, only 8% agree on eight fundamental beliefs. And, and this is how truth has been diluted within, within Christianity in general. And so, you know, if we have to be careful that... Uh, you know, with free association, we'll have the lowest common denomination, if you will. <clears throat> Next. Um, another uh, trend that's impacting us is uh, it, transparency. I really loved the sermon last night and the transparency which the, the brother was willing to be honest and, and share his own weakness and, and, and cry out to, to, for us to, to, to be accountable to each other. But... But we see that as a rare thing. And uh, instead, the, the culture of the day says, you know, present an image. Integrity is not valued from the White House down to, to Hollywood that, that, you know, it's just a matter of presenting the right image. You know, the Internet as well. And, you know, we see that in our own circles with, you know, the cool culture maybe among the younger group. And us older people are just a little bit more sophisticated in how we maintain a mask and, and don't let people really know who we are and how we're hurting. Our covenant of fellowship says that you know, we will support one another. We will pray with and for one another and share each other's burdens. How is that going to happen if there's no transparency? But we see the trends against us. Another trend is you know, the anti-authority trend that, that uh, you know, probably started in the, had a big boost in the 60s. And, you know, has come, you know, again within our church where authority is, is definitely out of uh, favor. And there's this autonomy idea where I don't want people telling me what to do. I, I can figure things out better on my own. And uh, it, this is a huge problem uh, where, where we can evade authority, where we can just kind of move from one church to another. And, uh, and even when, church, when people do... If there is one, one trend that, that disturbing, even when there is a separation, you know, the, the, the group that's leaving doesn't even stick together. They scatter, and there's no longer even value in, in, in keeping together. Uh, the reason why we have two different conferences was, was, a, was a difference in philosophy, which is, is, which is along this trend, whereas the, the, the other elders felt that they no longer were accountable to an elder body. They felt they were accountable to the church. And, and we see the shift from a theocracy, from, from a, an authority structure, to a democracy. And that, that you know, may work well in politics, but not, not in, in, in the church. And unless we think that, well, you've been telling me a lot of shocking statistics about you know, Christianity at large, you know, we, we, we are, it doesn't affect us. You know, I think you can recognize you know, those trends you know, in, in the lives and in, in our lives around us, 
but it does affect us quantitatively as well. Our church is no longer growing the way it used to be. And we need to ask ourselves why. It's, it's affecting us in, in ways that are very visible. So, if you feel that you're happy with the way you see things going in the church, you're free to, to go on and, and, and attend a different form. There are a number of, of excellent forms going on. But if, you're, if you feel that there's a problem here that you would like to change, uh, you would like to, to change the direction of the church, then, then stick with us as we try to go back to the scriptural foundations and see what should the church be like? How do we, what is a healthy church supposed to be according to the Bible? And how can we maintain it that way? Uh, church health in, in the scripture is a balance of truth and love. And, uh, you know, mathematically we might say it's uh, church health is love times truth. If, if either one of those goes to zero, you don't have a healthy church. And uh, biblically, you know, we have the example of the truth being the foundation of the building. Without the foundation, it will crumble. And uh, we are the living uh, um, stones, the building bricks. And it is love and that commitment and accountability that, that hold us together and, and keep that structure uh, growing on top of that foundation. <clears throat> and for the purpose of, of, of today, um, I'll be focusing on the, on, on the love aspects, and Brother Doug will be covering truth. Um, so to get a little more detailed in that love and truth, uh, we're going to take it down one more level, and then we're going to go through these aspects. Uh, the church... You know, God's vision for the church, the, the dream that should be motivating us and driving us is that of a community of committed and accountable believers. And uh, that, that we are to be, you know, the princess that was talked about this morning, the bride of Christ, pure from both, you know, moral impurity and from doctrinal error. So this is the framework we're going to try to cover this morning. We're going to kind of do a medical checkup on our church and see uh, on these four things, on commitment, holiness, and accountability truth, what should it be, both biblically, historically, and you know, what are the things that are threatening it, and, and, and what are the principles that we can take away to, to detect these inroads and to cut them off. And so we've kind of got an um, uh, acrostic here of chat of, of, the, of those four things that I'm going to try to keep uh, track of on the top right there so you know where we are in the presentation, which, which aspect we're talking about. So the first thing we're going to talk about is commitment. What should it be? Well, really, God has called us not just to Christ. He's called us to a community. It's not just individual salvation. He's called us a community of committed believers, and this is, as we look at what the Bible says, you cannot live New Testament faith in isolation. And in the Bible, biblical model, uh, in 1 Corinthians 12 and Ephesians 4, and I encourage you to read them in detail, it speaks of the church being a human body and that every single one of us is given by the Spirit an ability to, to build up that church and some kind of gift through the Holy Spirit. And each one of those gifts is essential to the health and growth of the whole church. So each one of us is an integral part. <clears throat> Next. Um, this this, this com commitment is not only the interdependence that we have on each other, but our willingness to, to put each other first, our willingness to sacrifice. Um, someone has said that it's an unconditional accountability to and an unlimited liability for our brothers and sisters, emotionally, financially, and spiritually. 
You know, financially, um, we see the examples in the Bible about how they're willing to sell all and share everything in common. We have Apostle Paul talking about the church's measure of love for each other and their willingness to, to give of themselves sacrificially. Emotionally, we have the encouragement, uh, the fellowship we read in Acts 2, the Hebrews 10 of uh, keeping each other, uh, provoking one another to love and goods and, 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 and frequently gathering for that purpose. And I think I referenced the covenant of fellowship that, that, that reinforces that, of, of, of uh, being willing to pray with and for and share each other's burdens. Spiritually, there's also that commitment, and it takes form in the form of accountability, which we're going to deal with you know, in detail. The, the priority, God has given you gifts, God's given you abilities, and, and God's given you those abilities not just to build yourself up. You know, it's clear in Scripture that those gifts that he gave was for the perfecting, the maturing of the saints, and for the building up of the body of the Christ. And when you take those gifts and you use them selfishly, that's an abuse. And, and Paul deals with that abuse in 1 Corinthians 14, saying that he would rather that they prophesied than spoke in tongues, that the church may be edified. <clears throat> the early church you know, is a wonderful example of a highly committed community. You know, we see their, their um, steadfastness and truth and doctrine and fellowship and that emotional support, and, and how they're willing to, all that believed were together and had everything in common and were willing to sell their possessions of good and part them as everyone had need. They were with one accord. They were sharing food from house to house. They had joy and they were daily with together. And the result was that they had, they had favor with all the people and the Lord added daily such as should be saved. You know, when we, we have this beautiful God-given model of a, of a committed Christian, it's attractive. It will draw others, as Jesus said himself, that if you have loved one to another, all men shall know you're my disciples. So the trends against this, we said, against this interdependence of this body was this individualism. And the next trend that was against this was the convenience undermining our commitment to each other in, in our affluent society. So we talked about how the, the disposable attitude and how that affects even you know, our loyalty to, 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 to each other. Let's just flip through that. Um, and so what I want to talk about is, you know, what, what are the, the, these threats? The, the, the Bible gives the example of, of the church of Laodicea, that they were wealthy, they were a community of bankers, and uh, they, they, that wealth gave them the illusion of self-sufficiency, not only uh, from God, but from each other. You know, as, as Jesus told them, because thou sayest, I'm rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing, and knowest not, right? That thou art uh, wretched and poor and blind. And so that's the problem. One of the problems is the society we're in where we, we think we, we know everything, we think we have everything, we lose the sight of our need for each other, and it's still there. It's only masked by the material. Uh, interdependence means that I'm, I, I need your help, and it's therefore I need to have the humility to ask for it, and it's pride that gets in the way of my my being willing to ask for it. And you need to you you need my help, and you know it's me putting my own convenience first that gets in the way of me getting really involved and painfully involved in your life. And this these trends we see you know don't start with the apostolic Christian church. They start in society, but we are influenced. We are influenced indirectly as we see it around us. And there's a, another way that I, I want to, to talk about that's a little bit more direct. 
Let me give you the analogy of a marriage. <clears throat> in my marriage, my, my relationship with my wife is primary. It's, it's the most important. And it can be undermined as I, I, I uh, dilute my efforts and energies elsewhere, especially in, in a competitive way if you know, I would get to involved with another woman. Now, I recognize that as a threat, but you know, it would be very extreme of me to say that, therefore, I need to avoid all contact with all other women. That would be far too extreme. I can have a healthy relationship with other women, but... You know, I need to discern, I need to, to recognize and not, not wait till the point that, wow, I'm getting emotionally attached, I've gone too far. That's, that's too late already. I need to, to, to discern ahead of time to say, well, I could see that if I get into, you know, a deep emotional conversation with this woman, you know, alone, that, where that can lead me. Or if I'm in a, in a, in a, in a, alone in a, in a sensual environment. I'm, I'm not even going to go near there because I know where it can lead. And so, therefore, I use... Because of the importance, I, I, I have some distance and from where I want to go, from, from anything that would undermine that primary committed relationship. And it's the same way with the church, that we have within the, the, the identifiable, viable, visible church, that's where we can, we can practice New Testament Christianity, that has to be the priority. And when we have relationships, even with other Christians and other spiritual influences that undermine that primary relationship, we get into trouble. And this is one of the painful experiences we went through in Toronto was when, when someone you know, became dependent, it happened to be on a homeschooling group. I'm not against homeschooling. I homeschool myself. But they, they, they transferred, they, they, they became dependent on that group for their spiritual support. And they withdrew from the church as their spiritual support. No longer found the, the brother, their, their support from there. And that enabled them uh, to then uh, go further and eventually leave the church altogether and, and, as, as they, that support group had a different set of values and that, that uh, led to catastrophe. <clears throat> so we've talked about commitment. What, what's the principle that we need to take away so that we can test spiritual influences, spiritual inputs that we have to see whether, even though you know, it may benefit us, you know, where, it, where it may be something we need to guard against. And, and our first principle, this is going to be our conclusion, our first principle that we've illustrated is that if it weakens my commitment to my local fellowship, I need to, to uh, guard against it. So we've talked about commitment. Um, uh, to each other. Now we're going to go back to talking about truth and sep separation. And Brother Doug's going to talk about holiness.